Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. Matthew, the 14th chapter, beginning at verse 22, says this. Immediately he began, excuse me, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Someone say the other side. While he dismissed the crowds and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Verse 26 says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Verse 27 says, but immediately, someone say immediately. I don't care where you are, what you're experiencing, where you're at right now. You're getting ready to experience and immediately. Uh, but immediately, if you receive that word, you might have took off running. But there's immediately that's coming to you. Someone say, I'm getting ready to receive immediately. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Verse 28 Peter answered him, said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when he saw something, he became afraid. When he operated on his senses, based on what he could see, visual perception, he became afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Verse 29 says, He told him to come. Peter got out the boat, walked on the water, came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink out, he said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand. And I believe what Jesus said to him when he reached out his hand was, focus on me. Someone hollered out in the room, get your focus back. Say it again, get your focus back. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I feel like um, this message today that the Lord is wanting to, to speak to us is not my message to you, but it is Jesus' message to you through me uh, for you to get your focus back. Somebody while I take a swig real quick, tell somebody around you through your mask and say, get your focus back, get your focus back. I would like to make a confession that this series did not come um, from weeks um, or days of me laying in the floor seeking the Lord. I would like to pretend as often as if I am as, as deep as you think I am. I would like to live up to that standard, but um, it, is, um, it would be hypocritical for me to make you think that I walk around speaking in tongues all day long. 
and then I'm always seeing angels descend from heaven and demons. I'm casting them out all day long. Um, that's not my life, and it's not your life either. If you would stop pretending to post so much on social media, you're not as deep as you come off as. There's a lot going on in your DM that's telling the real story about what's going on with your life. So um, I would like to say that that's where this series came from, but this series did not come from me uh, being deep um, or me laying prostrate in the floor and seeking God for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, but it came from a conversation that I was having with someone actually out in the hallway, a leader, and we were talking about um, the struggle that we're having right now to be effective in ministry and how do we or what do we actually preach about or talk about right now when there's so many different things that you could be talking about and preaching about and there's so much pressure to cover and to talk about so many different things and, and when we're thinking about what we preach about or what series we should have and I just make a confession after I knew um, I was doing the series Keep Growing and I was grateful for that and I knew the Lord gave me that but in the midst of Keep Growing I said Lord there's only a few more weeks left of it I don't know what the next series is and what it is that I'm supposed to say after that and that's what the conversation was with a leader that we were talking and we were saying that there's so much pressure to talk about so many different things and we're asking ourselves do we get up and do we create a series on racial tension and all the racial tension that's going on right now and all the people that are going through many different things and feeling all different types of ways about many different things or do we have a series about political agendas and who we vote for and who we're supposed to vote for and, and make sure you vote and make sure that you don't postpone the election to later on but you actually make sure that we vote in November so that we can make some changes around that time. Do we talk about that? And you know, there are all different types of posts to people asking questions. Has your pastor said who he supports has your pastor said who they rally around yet have you all made a, uh, any movement in protest is your pastor out there protesting have you done a black lives matter movement yet have you done anything to make sure you're relevant to the time everybody has something that we're supposed to be talking about or doing because they say that if your pastor hasn't said anything about it maybe your pastor is, is weak and maybe your pastor hasn't made a great stand because you should know where the church stands on certain political issues so we're sitting here always trying trying to figure out what side are we supposed to be on and then I'm thinking about should I teach about education because a lot of people are anxious right now should I send my children back to school or are we going to be online and then teachers are like I don't remember getting a degree on pandemics I don't remember how I'm supposed to educate children right now I've never I've never done this I've never socially distant children before and I'm, I'm concerned about making sure that I bring and make sure their children go back the same way they came that they they don't carry anything and, and parents are like I don't know if I want to send my child or should I keep my child home but if I keep my child home that means I've got to be an educator a mama a daddy and an entrepreneur and an employee and an employer and I didn't sign up for that so how am I supposed to be able to keep my mind sane and teach my children at the same time how do I transition to educator and then how do I transition to parent because they are mixing right now and I didn't get an education degree but I'm supposed to be able to do these things right now because that's what the education assistant 
system is asking me right now, should I teach about that? Or should I teach about families and how families are, are having locked up rage because they've been around people they don't want to be around this long for a long time. The people that you want to be around, you have to wear a mask when you see them because you don't want to catch what you have. But the people that you've been around for the last few months, you're like, I love my family, but I didn't want to be this close to them this long. I don't want to be around them like this. No disrespect. Don't you say anything because you might be sitting around the person who actually might you feel that way or might be feeling a way around that. Just keep your eyes on me. Don't say nothing. Say it after church. Text somebody and say, show you're right. But here it is. You feel like that around some of your family. You, you want to love them, but sometimes you're tired of them. Don't say nothing. Don't, don't, don't even nod your head. Just keep a straight look. Keep a good Catholic look. Don't say nothing. Just confessing your soul. And here it is. We feel like that. I'm like, do I preach about that? Do I preach about all the different people? Or do I preach about domestic violence? And how there are people who are sitting hitting on people instead of getting counseling right now. And, and there's a victim and the abuser living together right now. And they're coming to church together. And when I see them, they're saying everything is okay. But underneath it, they want to say help, 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 help. Because they've been locked up and they told them, you can't go see nobody right now. So now the victim and the abuser are living together and trying to figure out. And she's hiding and he's looking. And he will change the revolt. Maybe he's being beat and she's looking. I don't even know who it is right now but somebody's going through things I'm like do I talk about that or do I talk about health do I talk about government spikes do I talk about uh, health scares and do I talk about people who want to wear masks and people who don't want to wear masks and do I talk about all the different things that are going on and everybody's asking did you see the numbers today did you see the report today did you see what Deacon Andy said today did you see what he told us to do today did you see that they've closed down did you see we're supposed to be at a certain percentage so then do I talk about should we be in church or should we be online which one should we do because everybody's got an opinion about it I don't know if y'all supposed to be in church I don't know if you're supposed to be in a building. Are you sure it's safe? Is it okay? I think you should be online. All the other churches are online. Why are you online? You do know that African Americans are the ones who get it more than anybody else. Do you want to be the one who makes sure people are sick and you don't want to pass it on? You should be online. Do I talk about that and all the different things we're supposed to be addressing right now? Or maybe I'm supposed to talk about the economy and all the different things that are going on. People are getting laid off. Somebody's waiting on another stimulus check. You don't like the person who's giving it, but you want the money. So here it is. We're sitting here saying, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm confused. I, I need a little change to make some change. I, I need something. Somebody, am I anywhere where you are right now? Or maybe I'm supposed to be preaching about social media, Portia. What day should I post? What should I post? What should I like? What should I not like? Have I said enough about the issues of this time? Had I not said enough on the issues of time? Should I make a post wearing black lives and having my fists in the air? Or should I not do that? Am I supposed to be talking about Jesus? Or should I be talking about Trump? Am I Talk about talk about voting. Or am I supposed to talk about wearing masks? Am I supposed supposed to talk about education? Or am I supposed to talk about preaching? I don't know because somebody's got something to say about every single thing that I do or I don't do. I'm not really sure. So when I was talking to the person out there, I said so much noise, and I'm supposed to hear God in the midst of everybody's opinions. I'm supposed to still hear God. I forgot that one. Still supposed to be praying with all the pressure. I'm supposed to be right in the vein of God in the midst of your opinions. What they said, what they do, what this church doing, what this church ain't doing. You know, you're the only church in Lexington of your size who's meeting. 
and all of the pressure has resulted to noise. And I felt like God wanted to talk, to have me talk to you about all the noise you've been dealing with. If the pandemic was one thing, the noise is a whole nother pandemic in itself. If you were okay before social media, when you get on social media, you're not okay anymore. If you were okay until you got on the media, until you got on the news, you were not okay anymore because now you're paranoid walking around. And is there anybody in the room who's just dealing with a lot of noise? So when I looked up the word noise, the definition of noise is any sound that is undesired or interferes with one's hearing of something. Noise is an interference of any sound that is undesired. Is there anybody in the room who's got something that's undesired that you're hearing? So when I look at this text and when I look at this particular scripture, uh, I find that we open this scripture in Matthew, the 14th chapter, and we open it up with Herod upset because he thinks that John the Baptist has died or John the Baptist, excuse me, uh, has been resurrected from the dead because he's hearing all this ruckus of uh, teaching and, and healing and miracles. And he said, I thought that I killed John the Baptist because if you remember, those of you who read the word, uh, find out he says that, that his daughter, um, his daughter, uh, his wife Herodias, um, she made sure that there was some uh, decree that went out that she had the head of John John the Baptist on a platter in the midst of a party. So he made sure that John the Baptist was beheaded. So he's confused because he knew that he had silenced the sound, but he's trying to figure out why he keeps hearing a sound. He heard that he had beheaded the voice crying in the wilderness, <laughs> but he had not beheaded the voice that was in the wilderness. <laughs> There's a voice, it's a difference in the voice crying in the wilderness and the voice speaking to the wilderness. So he thought that he had killed the voice, but here it is. He hears that somebody named Jesus is out there preaching, teaching, and healing people. Jesus got word that his friend, John the Baptist, because you know they were, they were, they were from the posse, they were from the group, they've been friends ever since they were, they were womb mates. Oh, Jesus' mother was pregnant and she went to go visit her cousin named Elizabeth. She went over there just to, uh, to sit there and play dominoes and play spades. And she went over there just to have good conversation of Uno and just want, you know how y'all do, just want to talk and, and talk about the things going on in the street. But, but whatever it was that Mary was carrying awakened what was in Elizabeth. And it says, the scripture says that whatever was in Elizabeth not only kicked but was filled with the Holy Ghost immediately in her womb. Let me tell you something. That goes against every apostolic teaching I've ever learned. That you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost at an altar call with your hands lifted, speaking in another tongue. But according to the scripture, it says that he was filled with the Holy Ghost in the womb. <laughs> I don't know how you could be filled and you hadn't been birthed yet. 
But I'm trying to tell you something right now. If you want it, you can have it anywhere. Somebody holler out right now, I can have it anywhere. I can have it anywhere. Wherever you're ready to be filled, he can fill you anywhere. You can be filled without anybody laying hands on you. You can be filled in a non-denominational church. You can be filled in a Baptist church. You can be filled in the Catholic church. Anywhere you're ready to be blessed, he'll bless you. Matter of fact, you can be in the club. Not right now. But you can be in the club and he'll fill you. You asking for another drink and all of a sudden before you get it, you're like, oh, something's like fire. <laughs> something's purifying me right now. The thing that I thought I wanted, I don't even want it anymore. Someone say, I can have it anytime. <laughs> so Jesus was grieving because his roommate had died. All of a sudden, Jesus tries to go away to go deal with his grief. Tries to go away to deal with his grief. And when he goes away to deal with his grief, thinking that he was going by himself to go pray it says a crowd showed up the crowd showed up while he was trying to grieve have you ever been in a season where you didn't want to minister but a ministry opportunity came to you in the midst of a moment that you wanted to be left alone have you ever just tried to go in the grocery store or try to go somewhere and some of you love the mask right now because you think people don't see you or know who you are? And have you ever gone down a particular aisle? They were like, hey, 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 is that you like, I just want to be left alone. And there's nothing like having to minister while you're bleeding. There's nothing like trying to lead people a place that you need to be yourself. You want to have a good worship experience, have a bleeding worshiper. If you want a good preaching service, have a bleeding preacher. Somebody who, while they're ministering to you, they're bleeding themselves. And while they're trying to lead you, they're actually leading themselves. While they're laying hands on you, they're actually thinking of the hands that need to be laid on them. While they're giving a dollar to you, they're really needing $10 given to them. Have you ever, been, have you ever ministered while you needed to be ministered to? I'm helping you, but I really need to be helped. I'm supporting you, but I really needed to be supported. So here was Jesus was grieving and a crowd showed up in the midst of his grieving. But it says, scripture says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And based on his compassion, Jesus started to see that there was a need. It's very important that even while you are ministering or even while you are grieving, even while you're ministering, that your anointing does not go on, do not disturb. You have to be very careful because sometimes you'll be at a state of wanting to be left alone and that anointing will kick in. You'll be like, oh, no, 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 not, not, not right now, not right now. But are, is, your, is your call on nine to five? Does your call only work on Sundays? Do you only worship when we're together? Or have you had a Paul and Silas experience that when you were locked up, you still praised him? When you were behind something that wouldn't let you go, you praised him until it let you go. To be able to minister in spite of, Jesus said, I was moved with compassion because there's nothing worse. And I'm saying that because there's nothing worse than a person who's hurt, who loves to hurt other people. We justify our lashing out with people because of what we've gone through. The reason I'm nasty is because I've gone through something. You don't get to justify because you've had a bad day. The scripture says, if any man is in Christ, 
He's a new creature. That means if old habits keep rising up, maybe you need to be baptized again. Maybe you need to be filled again. Maybe you need to go back another time because there's no reason for me to lash out on you because I've had a bad day. You know what I've learned? Sometimes I wonder. I've loved, I love worship. Y'all know I talk about it. I love singing. You know I talk about it. But I wonder sometimes. I wonder sometimes. Someone say he wonders. This is not the word. I just wonder sometimes. Are you really a worship leader if you're not singing? Because why is it that when somebody else is up, you are absent? Or you're not supporting? Or you're not tapped in like it was? It's just like the preacher, Caesar. I have to take it out of there because maybe it's too close to home. It's just like the preacher who doesn't support other preachers. But when they get up and say, somebody, come on and stand to your feet all over the room. I got a word. I got a word. It's like the preacher who does not worship when the worship team is singing or the choir is singing. But when they get up there and say, somebody, put your hands together. I feel a praise. How can you ask me to do something that you do not do? <laughs> Real worshipers say like David, I will bless the Lord at. It doesn't matter if I'm on the stage or I'm not on the stage. If I have a microphone in my hand or I don't have a microphone in my hand. As soon as I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, my soul cries out. Doesn't matter who's singing. Doesn't matter who's on the stage. Doesn't matter who's preaching. My soul makes her boast in the Lord and the humble will hear thereof and be glad. I wish somebody would make a joyful noise all over the room right now. So he feeds them. I don't have as much, I don't have the voice I want to have to preach. I want it, but I don't have it. But it's going to come. But it says that Jesus fed them in the midst of his grieving. Fed them in the midst of his grieving because it wasn't about an opportunity or it wasn't about a photo op. It was, he was responding out of his call. Jesus feeds the 5,000. And what I learned from this message as I go on, because I've stayed too long there in the introduction, is that Jesus teaches us what to focus on you want to know what to focus on Jesus teaches us in verse 22 it says immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds the first thing Jesus wants us to focus on is on what was removed look at that scripture one more time Immediately, he made the disciples get into a boat, go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So what was removed? He removed those who were close to him, those who thought they knew him based on being with him, and those who knew him based on what he had done for them. Yeah, figured that go over your head. Let me say it one more time. He removed those who were close to him because they thought they knew him and he removed those who came to him because of what he did for them say it one more time there will come seasons where you have to remove people who think they know you and then there will be seasons that you will have to remove people who only want you because of what you do The people who were with him thought they were with him and they thought that they were entitled because they were with him. Some seasons you have to remove those who think they're entitled. 
and then he removed the crowds because they only came because he fed them. People will be around you as long as you got something to give them. As long as you got something, as long as you can give them an opportunity, you'll always have friends. But count the people that have been there for you when you've had nothing. Count the people that have been there for you when you've had nobody. Count the people that have been there for you when you had nothing going on in your life. Those are your real friends. The people that were there for you when everybody else was talking, everybody else was clapping back, everybody else was screenshotting, everybody else has something to say. Those are the people who don't want nothing from you just then to be there, to be there to support you. Clap your hands for everybody who's been there through every season. So... He had to remove them because they were trying to make him something that he was not. The crowd wanted him to, okay, let me, let me move on. He said, let me, let me get out of that. So verse 23 says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So he wants us to focus on what was removed. Secondly, he wants you to focus on why it was removed. You don't remove people just because you're in a season of cutting people. Some of you have annual block days. And you post it on social media. Look at all the people I blocked. People I thought, then people post on Facebook. If you are my friend, tell me where you know me from because I'm deleting people. That is not why Jesus went on a removing spree. That's not why. The reason he removed, go back to the scripture again, verse 23 says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to do what? To pray. The reason that he left is because he wanted to get to a place that he could pray. Some of us want to remove people so that we can say, I was better without you. Let me show you what I can do without you. No, Jesus removed people so that he could pray. So that he could get back to a posture of prayer. Let me go here. That's the first point. First point is what was removed. Second point was why was it removed? The third point is in verse 23 says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there, what? What was removed? Why was it removed? And then focus on what remained. When he dismissed the crowds, when he went into prayer, then he was by himself. And I want to talk to some of you right now who all that remains is you. You're at a season right now that all you can trust is you. You're at an uncomfortable season right now where everything that's been revealed to you in the last five months, the only thing you feel like you can trust is you. Don't say nothing. Don't look at nobody around you. But sometimes you need to praise God that you can be your own company sometimes. 
Thank God that you can Netflix and chill with yourself. Thank God that you can binge watch by yourself. Thank God you can take your own self out on a date. Thank God you can look in the mirror and say, you are a bad mamma jamma. You are all right with me. Let me take you out on a date. I think I would date you. You are so bad. You need to just celebrate yourself sometime. Just look at yourself and say, this weave is bad, girl. This weave is bad. Girl, this is her. This is important. I didn't even get to go to the store right now because I can't trust the stores. I imported this from somewhere and this weave is bad, girl. I don't even have to iron it. It's so good. You have to sometimes support you. Support yourself. Get a Tinder account and put your picture on it and follow you. Swipe right on yourself. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Some of y'all like Tinder. I'm sorry. Y'all save. Excuse me. But when I look at this, when Jesus was alone, what happened, it says, one scripture says that when Jesus was by himself, he was then able to see the, the, he was then able to see the disciples. Say that again. When Jesus was by himself, then he was able to see the disciples were going through something. It was when Jesus cleared the noise that he was then able to see the people need me. When he was alone, he could see clearly. There are some people in this room that before you leave here, you're going to see clearly. Because you're in a noise and in a fog right now that you can't see clearly. And I'm here to wipe your lenses so that you can see. Someone say, give me my sight back, Jesus. Give me my sight back. <laughs> in verse 25, I'm almost finished. Verse 25 says, and in the fourth watch of the night, while, while they were in the midst of it, it says, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. Are y'all ready for this? I said, are y'all ready for this? I mean, I can go home. Are y'all ready for this word? Y'all ready for it? I want to go for it because this is what Jesus is saying to you. And Jesus was saying to me, I don't ever preach anything he ain't saying nothing to me about. This is what Jesus is saying to us. The first thing Jesus says to us, let's go to the word. Verse 26, here it goes this. It says, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, Jermaine, I need some help there. Verse 25, verse 26 says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea. Is that verse 26? Go to verse 26. Verse 26, yes. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. Jermaine, I need some help. I don't know where you at. I need some help. Somebody say, Jermaine, help the man. Y'all didn't say it right. Say it like you're out in the club. Say, Jermaine, help the man. <laughs> say it again. Say, Jermaine, help the man. That, you know, it's when your mama, when you're sick and when you're supposed to be out. So you know, some of y'all say, I was raised on streetlights. Y'all know what streetlights is? I try to get bad sometimes and I'll be out with my friends and my friends would say, you know, you got to go in when the streetlights. I said, I'm, I, don't, I'm, I'm, I don't go in when streetlights. And the streetlights would start flickering. They're like, Mario, you got to go in. I said, no, I don't. And all of a sudden, the lights would come on. My daddy would be like, Mario. They were like, I told you, you got to go in because the street lights. Someone say, help the man. So verse 26 says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. 
and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. I'm going to say it one more time. Verse 26 says, you almost missed it. Verse 26 says, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, you hear this? They were terrified and then they start talking. Say it again. When they saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and then they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But verse 27 says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. The first thing that Jesus wants us to focus on is this. He wants you to focus. This is how you know when to focus. You know how to focus when the noise is louder than what I'm saying. That's what Jesus is saying. He wants you to focus when the noise is louder than what I'm trying to say to you. Oh, Lord. Y'all act like y'all ain't never had any noise that's trying to distract you. They were in a state where they could not see. They weren't sure. And because they weren't sure, they started to define what they thought it was. They weren't sure, so they just started to talk. And when they started to talk, they defined what they thought it was, and they said it was a ghost. And ghosts are there or designed to scare you. And there are some of you right now who are in a season where you can't even receive God because you have defined what you think it is. So the noise that you're experiencing is louder than the message that he's delivering. When he saw, when he saw them working on the sea, they said it's a ghost and they cried out in fear and immediately Jesus spoke to them and he said, take heart as I, don't be afraid. What that means is there are sometimes fear, hear this, fear will make you blur something that you used to see clearly. Fear will cause you to blur something that you used to see clearly. When you're in the midst of a storm, you have to be very careful what you say about people. Because it will give you an eschewed view of somebody in the midst of a season. In the midst of something that's going on with them. It'll cause you to start defining someone who's just going through a temporary moment. It'll cause you to blur things. I've had to learn as a pastor that even in seasons that we've gone through that I've tried to put a period, God was trying to put a comma. And there's sometimes some of you right now in the midst of a storm, you are starting to cry out. In the midst of your crying out, you're crying out in fear and fear is causing you to blur what you used to see clearly. And in this case, some of you used to see Jesus much clearer than you see him now. But because of the storm you're in, you can't see Jesus for your blurred vision. You can't see Jesus because of what you're going through. You can't, Jesus, you can't see Jesus because of some of Jesus' children. I love Christ, but I don't like Christians. 
I love the rock of my salvation, but I don't always like church people. So sometimes I can't see Jesus because of his people. So I can't see clearly because of the storm that has blurred my vision. And is there anybody in the room right now who just testify that your vision is blurred right now? When you can identify that you have blurred vision, you might not be so critical of other people. When you realize that you ain't as great as you proclaim that you are, you might not judge people so harshly. When you say, I'm in the midst of the storm and I can't see clearly either. If you get a friend who say, you know what, we, can't, we, we, we just don't know. We, we just don't know. We're not sure. And here it is, Jesus says, you need to focus when the noise is louder than what I'm saying. Let me go on. Verse 28 says, and Peter answered him and said, Peter answered and said, Deshaun, Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, hear this part. For all of y'all deep Christians who you always know everything. These next few minutes are not for you. For all of y'all who... And you are so deep, but so nasty. And you know everything. You know, I figure, you know, I, I, I don't even think Corona is real. I, I, I just don't think it's real. I think it's a hoax. Well, tell Herman Cain that. If you don't think it's real and if it's hoax, tell Mother Smith that, who's gone. Tell Mother Smith that she should be still alive because it's not real. Since you know everything and you're such an expert, Dr. Falsey. Since you know so much, Please educate me because I'm wearing my mask full. Sorry, excuse me. My bad. I'm going to make sure that I value my life. Your life might not be important, but mine sure is. And I want to stay around a little bit longer. So for those of you who know everything, these next few minutes are not for you. Because Peter said, Lord, if it's you. Now, now y'all missed that. Peter was a disciple. So if anybody should know Jesus, it should be somebody who's been with him. But sometimes you can go through something that will make you question what you thought you knew. Sometimes you can experience a season and sometimes you can go through something that what you thought you knew, it'll make you question it. It'll make you wonder and say, I don't know if I'm as saved as I thought I was. Has anybody ever gone through a season like that where you've had to question yourself and say, this girl thinks I won't clock and I will clock. And I'm thinking I'm not as saved as I am because I feel weak because I want to clock and I can't. Peter said, if it's you, command me to come out the boat come to the water come to you on the water Jesus said come so Peter got out of the boat walked on the water and came to Jesus this is how you know when you need to focus you need to focus when Jesus is saying this not me when my call challenges your comfort Peter was comfortable being in the boat. You know, a lot of people I found out are comfortable being broke. There are a lot of 
people that are comfortable being just where they are. Just, I'm fine. I have no vision for my life. It's just fine. But Peter said, if it's you, I don't want to stay here. He said, if it's you, I don't like this. If, you, if it's you, command me to come forward. I don't even, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure that it's you. But I, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to try you. That reminds me of a scripture that it says, he says, he says, uh, uh, try me and see. Will I not open up for you the windows of heaven and pull you out blessings that I've never tried giving before, but I'm willing to try it and see. Will it come back to me? I, I've never forgiven before, but I heard the scripture to say forgive and you will be forgiven. I think I'm trying it. But his call will always challenge your comfort. Some of you have been so comfortable that you have not moved in 10 years. I don't care if you're 60, if you're 70, if you're 20, 30, 40, a teenager, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you have to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. You have to be uncomfortable. Come here, John Lewis, getting in good trouble necessary trouble whatever you've got to do you've got to be okay doing something different someone say make a step make a step he said my the call is challenging my comfort and there will be seasons that you will look in your boat of people that have been with you forever or people that have been around you and you will say this ain't this ain't it this got to be more than this there's got to be more than, I, I, for the last 10 years, ain't nobody in my circle grown. In the last 15 years, nobody's done anything. Nobody's changed. We all the same way we were back then. And when we get together, we still do the same things we used to do. This ain't it. If your church hasn't changed in the last year, you might be a part of a museum. If your friends, if you can know them without anything changing, you, you might have a mummy. You might not have a friend. You might have a mummy. Mummies walk, but they ain't alive. And some of you got friends that all they are is mummies. They have always been that way, and they ain't going to change. 50 years, the same way they were in their 20s. They're 60 now, same way they were in their 30s. They're 70 now, same way they were in their 40s. And they nothing changed about them. But I want somebody in the room to just holler out and say, this ain't it. So Peter said, something's got to change. So Peter was willing to make a decision. i got to go on. Verse 30 says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out immediately, and he re and Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When he saw the wind, he was afraid. He started to sink, but he cried out. Now, the next part you got to focus on, you know when you need to focus, is when the storm in you is greater than the Savior before you. You missed it. 
Because when Peter saw the storm, it resonated with the storm that was in him. You never respond to something that's not in you. If you've gotten over your ex, your ex cannot even move you right now. But if you still entertain them on the down low, when you see them, something rises up in you. But when you have no connection with that thing, no matter what experience you're in, it does not rise up in you. But obviously, there had to be some fear that was already in Peter. Because sometimes when you make a move, you make a move scared. So Peter stepped out, but he stepped out fearful and afraid. So as soon as he saw the first sign of opposition, he lost sight of the Savior before him and responded to the storm that was within him. It is not the fight outside of you that you could be concerned about. It's the enemy that's down inside of you that you really need to be concerned about. It is not the storm that is before you that you need to be concerned about. It is the things that you need to rebuke in yourself that you should be concerned about. Peter responded to the storm that was in him. And based on the storm that was within him, he lost sight of the Savior before him. <laughs> I hope this is blessing somebody today. Some of you, and I've heard this, I've heard this portion. Some people say that if you have faith, you don't have fear. And then some people say, if you have fear, you don't have no faith. Anybody heard that said before? I want to dispel that myth and tell you that faith and fear are like Siamese twins. You will go through life with both faith and fear. For some of you who say, well, I don't, wanna, I, don't want fear to, I don't want fear to take control of me. Well, how do you make sure that one is stronger than the other? Whichever one you feed is the one that will grow. If you keep feeding your fear, that will always be the dominant twin. But if you keep stepping out in faith and allowing the word to speak, that's why Matt was singing earlier, I will hide his word in my heart. If you keep feeding the word in you, the word, the fear will have no chance with, with faith. So verse 32, I'm through. Verse 32 says, so after that, and he moved on and he says, I want you to, he, he reached down and he grabbed his hand, took hold of him. He said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Verse 32 says, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Say it again. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. I, hold on, before I get there, there's one part that just stuck out to me, Dr. Manuel. It just, she just, it just like you tapped me on my left shoulder and remind me, I skipped over something. It says, but while he was beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I want to affirm everybody in the room who you might be sinking, but you're at least crying out. I want to affirm everybody in the room who you might be going through something, but you're at least crying out and saying, I need help. Before you throw Peter away. 
let's talk about the fact that even though he lost sight, he still cried out. What I'm saying to you is even though you're going through something, know when to say I need help. I'm saying you might be going through a storm, but know when it's time to holler out and say help me. We used to sing a song in the Missionary Baptist Church and we would sing, pass me not. Oh, gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. They would say, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Then they would say another verse, thou the spring of all my comfort. More than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside thee? None in heaven but thee. They will cry out again. I'm calling Savior. Sorry, excuse me. I I felt that rise up in me. I'm calling Savior. I wish somebody in the room would just holler out Savior. Come on, somebody in the room call Savior. I mean, just cry. I mean, if you don't need to, if you don't need a savior, don't cry out. But if you're sinking in something right now, cry out, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou are calling, you ain't where I'm at. Do not pass me by. I want somebody in the room right now to just cry out, Savior. Somebody cry out, Savior. Somebody cry out, Savior. There was one more song that the deacons used to sing. And they would say, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. They would say, oh, bless me. Now my Savior. Somebody say, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Say, I'm coming to you. I'm coming like this. I'm sinking, but I'm coming. I'm going through, but I'm coming. I'm having a hard time, but I'm coming. Somebody holler out, Savior. I got to get out of that because I didn't mean to preach like this. And I can't preach like that on my first Sunday back. But verse 32 says, and when they got into the boat. The wind ceased. Excuse me, I'm I'm out there now. It says, when they got to the boat, the wind ceased. I'm going to say that one more time. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Y'all missed it again. In verse 32, it says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And verse 33, excuse me, Brandon, see what you done done to me. Verse 33 says, and those in the boat worship him, saying, truly, truly, you are the son of God. And the last thing you need to focus on is when you remember where you could have remained. Y'all missed it. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. My last point is that you got to focus when you remember where you could have remained. Listen, Dr. Manuel. maybe it's Kojic. Maybe that's why I'm preaching like this. But what happened? The same people. Hey, Angela, it's good to see you. The same people who watched Peter get out the boat the same people 
people watch Peter start to sink and the same people watch Jesus reach down and pick up Peter the same people who will watch you mess up will be the same people who will watch you get lifted back up Ah, so Jesus, Peter, you excuse me, Mel, I didn't mean to preach like this. So Peter left the boat by himself. But when he came back to the boat, he came with Jesus. I want to make an announcement. Some of your friends who've seen you go through by yourself are going to watch you walk back into the very thing that was designed to make you sink. And when you walk back, you ain't walking back by yourself. You're going to walk back with Jesus. Can somebody in the room give God praise for Jesus walking with you? Come on, Kenan. I need a little bit more fire in that. Somebody give God praise for Jesus walking with you. Well, so the people in the boat worshipped because Peter could have stayed out there by himself. But the people worshipped because they saw him come back. You don't have a praise until you can praise God for somebody else's deliverance. You don't have a praise until you can praise God for somebody else coming back to life. You don't have a praise if your praise is only about you. But sometimes the praise that's in my mouth is because somebody who was counted out made it somebody who was supposed to be a statistic survived and I want to give God praise because millions didn't make it but I was one of the ones Is there anybody who's one of the ones who did? If you're one of the ones, give God praise that I made it. I gotta get out of that. I'm over time. I'm over time. I'm over time. I'm over time. Over time. Over time. Over time. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm through. It says when they got back in the boat, they got back in the boat. Everybody worshipped. And they said, truly, you are the son of God. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. It says as soon as they got back in the boat, the wind ceased. Now, I don't know if the wind ceased because the storm got tired of messing with them. Or I don't know if the wind ceased because the wind knew it was no match for Jesus. I don't know. But what I do know is that your focus has an effect on everybody in your boat. When you're off focus, 
everybody connected to you is off focus when you're sinking everybody is affected by your eyesight not being on Jesus but I want somebody to lift your hands in the room and say Lord give me my focus back come on somebody lift your hands say Lord give me my focus back give me my focus back I can't let this storm take me over I can't let this storm distract me somebody holler out give me my focus back though the storm excuse me, Lord Jesus keep on raging in my life and sometimes excuse me it's hard to tell the night from day Jesus excuse me but still the hope that's realized and reassured as I keep my eyes upon the distant shore I know he'll lead me safely through this is the last thing but if the storm don't cease and if the winds keep on blowing in my life my soul maybe I'm the only one my soul maybe it's just me I'm sorry because some of y'all are looking at me like I ain't saying nothing stay in your storm if you want to but my soul is anchored it's anchored somebody say I got another grip somebody say I got another grip my soul is anchored Jesus message to all of us today is to focus on me keep your focus on me I know it's hard I know it's difficult I know you're surrounded but what did Daniel say I know it might look like you're surrounded but you're surrounded by him it might look like you're surrounded but you're surrounded by him keep your focus if we were in concert choir we would say keep your eyes on the prize hold on hold on everybody lift your hands all over the room father in the name of jesus christ i pray that everybody in the room that they would get their focus back that is my prayer not that they remember the message not that they remember the sermon not that they remember my sweat and all that stuff but that they would remember to keep their focus that they not get distracted as long as he was focused he wasn't distracted but as soon as he was distracted, he lost his focus. I speak to, to every, I speak to every distracted man, every distracted woman. I speak to every distracted father, every distracted mother, every distracted child. We want our focus back. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Teach us to look back to you. When we're looking at the storm, allow us to feed our faith. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. If you enjoyed that word. That I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at My Growth Point. 
Until next time, keep growing. <laughs>